Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Eyewitness News, live from our studio here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop at Adabrakai, Accra. My name is Zoe Abubedu Ado. I'm here with... Kweku Ediyama Ansa. Coming up. Once they have not responded, and it's that today that they call that meeting, I think the strike is still on, and they are hoping that another meeting will be called. Maybe you can see the way for Government fails to convince striking teachers to return to the classrooms as the meeting has been postponed indefinitely. Also coming up, MP for Dome Kwabenya Sarajwa Safo disregards ultimatum to appear before Privileges Committee to answer questions about her absence from Parliament. On the issue of Ajwa Safo, is it that she got a Zoom link, supposed to appear before the committee virtually via Zoom, and she didn't turn up? Yes. So since he did not uh, appear before us, uh, it will be very difficult for the committee to take a decision on her. And later, local council of churches in Nkranza demand the immediate suspension of the Bono East Regional Police Commander over the recent killings of some youth in the area. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News. In business... Minister of Trade and Industry Alan Tromating urges local players to take charge of key sectors of the economy to ensure growth. We'll be joined by Natalie Nette in the next 50 minutes for more in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates. In the Upper West Region, we're on Bukli Radio 88.6 FM in Wa, Word 88.3 FM in Zwarungu, which is in the Upper East Region. Dasuma 99.1 FM, Yendi, which is in the northern region. Volta region, Holy 98.5 FM in Aplao. In the eastern region, we are live on right 90.1 FM in Somenya. Orange 107.9 FM in the Ashanti region, Kumase specifically. Greener 95.9 FM, Sunyane Bono region. And in the western region, we are on Premier 100.5 FM in Takrade and Beach 105.5 FM in Takrade. Across the globe, you can reach us or hear us on citynewsroom.com. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. The hashtag is City Newsroom. So on Monday, four teacher unions declared um, an indefinite strike over the COLA allowances or COLA, cost of living allowances, um, that they have been demanding from government. Today, they were supposed to meet the Ghana Education Service um, for a way forward on that. We understand that that meeting ended inconclusively. So it means that the strike by the four teacher unions continues. My colleague, Kweku Edriama Ansa, um, has some stories on what's been happening in parts of the regions, and he'll give us an update on that. Now, four teacher unions who are on strike over the payment of the cost of living allowance have vowed to continue with the industrial action despite government's persuasion. A meeting between the leadership of the unions, the education minister, labor relations ministers and the representative from the finance ministry ended inconclusively. 
Now, the meeting which was chaired by the Education Minister was to begin negotiations on the demand for the payment of 20% basic salary as cost of living allowance. The strike has disrupted academic work in most public basic and pre-tertiary schools. Students have even pleaded with government to persuade their teachers to return to the classrooms. All right, thank you very much. And that was Kukudia Mansa bringing us um, a story there. But Kojo Ajiban um, was... Um, at that meeting, or he was just snooping around for information. Kojo, what did you find? What did you gather? Well, um, the education minister, as Elia stated, chaired the uh, meeting. Um, it included uh, the deputy labor relations minister, the labor relations yes, bright Rekubrubi, and then the labor minister himself, and a rep from the finance ministry, one Mr. Achululu. Okay. The um, excuse was that um, the finance ministers are currently engaging government officials in the IMF um, bailout process. So they didn't come. And also leadership of all the teacher unions, NAT, NAGRAT, CCTTU, and then TUC. After deliberations, they were still entrenched in their positions that they are demanding 20% and government has the financial muscle to provide this money. So government should pay. And the Deputy Labor Minister who spoke to us said that, well, they have legitimate concerns because the Labor Act makes rooms for, make room for those kind of um, negotiations that anytime they feel that they don't have their, their salaries does not really match up to the current economic conditions, they can come for renegotiations for conditions of service, so they are right. But then they should give government ample time to look at the numbers and see how best they can meet them halfway. Mm. All right. Um, could you please hold on for me? Let me speak to uh, Mr. Eric Angel Carbonu, who is a president of the um, NAGRAT, National Association of Graduate Teachers. Good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good evening, Zoe. How, how did the meeting go from your end? Well, the meeting was inconclusive. We have not been able to arrive at an understanding or an agreement. So we indicated to the Labour Minister that uh, when he invites us to another meeting, we shall attend. Okay, so what was government's position? We know what your position is, but what was government's position today? Well, let me just put it simply that government was not able to immediately find solution to our problem. The government represented by the Minister for Labour and his entourage could not find solution to our, our, our demands. They couldn't find solutions to your demands? Yes. Okay. Their, their response did not meet uh, our demands. What, what was their response? Well, we, we, we are making uh, a demand for 20% cola, and the ministry could not come up with the uh, 20% cola that we were making demand for. Okay, so j- just explain further to us. Um, l- indulge me, let me just read um, a joint press statement. This was issued today after your meeting, and you said... Um, that your demand is influenced by the high level of inflation in the country, the incessant skyrocketing prices of fuel, goods and services have eroded the already woefully so-called salary increases granted us as expressed in 4% and 7% for 2021 and 2022 respectively. Inflation in the country 
is currently 27.6% and continues to escalate ad infinitum. Only God knows when this will abate. Now, Mr. Kabonu, you are over 40,000 um, teachers. I mean, don't you think this is a bit um, too much for the government to immediately cough up these um, monies that you are requesting or asking for, considering the fact that the country is already, um, I mean, struggling economically? Yeah, it is when there is economic problem in the country that negatively affects the people, and in this particular case, workers. That is when workers make demand for government to intervene or ensure an intervening measure to attempt to solve or push in workers of the country. And all over the world, all over the world, workers make demands of government. Government comes to table to negotiate with workers. And government, recognizing the fact that the workers have a genuine economic concern, finds solution to their problem. It's sad and surprising to us that all of a sudden, People are beginning to say certain things that the economy of Ghana is so so and so. Therefore, workers don't have the right to make demands. And this sounds very interesting to me because in all my years in labor, it is when there are economic, there is an economic uh, problem afflicting the people. That is when the people make demands of government to push in them. So I don't know why all of a sudden government is making the statement as if it is now an, 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 an anathema to make uh, request for salary increase. Okay. Still on your statement, you said you are appalled by the inept um, attitude of the government relative to your call for COLA. Which I just wanted you to give me um, some more explanation as to what really ensued. You've told us the position um, from the um, Minister of Labour. Which other people were in that meeting? What were their positions as well? Yeah. You know, this request for cola started way back February. It was even intensified on May Day by the Secretary General of the TV. And even after that, series of calls from different labor unions and branches of labor unions took government to consider cola. The ministry and the government did not see reason to even call workers to sit down to discuss this issue of cola until the teacher unions went on strike uh, uh, on Monday. So why was the government reneging on its responsibilities in convening a meeting of a platform for labor to discuss this issue of cola? Is this the first time you're meeting the government? Come again. Is it the first time you're meeting them on this issue? This is the first time they have invited us for a meeting on this Since you ma- made mention of it in February? Yes. Okay. Now, did you meet your, your employer, the Ghana Education Service? Was any of the management or leadership in that meeting? Yes, yes. The, the director general himself and his deputy uh, were in that meeting. The minister himself, the minister of education, was in that meeting. Fair wages and salaries was in that meeting. Uh, a representative from the Ministry of Finance was in that meeting. Okay, so what did your employer say? Did he agree with you for, I mean, the demands you're making? Well, of course, our employer being a part of administration will never agree with 
uh, workers going on strike. But they made their case, and we also stated the reason why it is necessary for us to go on strike on those matters. What case did your employer make? Well, the employer was pleading with us, indicating that students... I mean, the usual uh, uh, intervention, uh, pleading, pleading with us to temper uh, the, the needs of the students with our, our need to go on strike and all that. But we indicated to the employer that the teacher at this time is in a state of immaturity. The teacher at this time is in a state of disorientation. And that even the survival of the teacher is even in question. So, despite those pleas that is coming from officialdom, the teacher will be unable to sacrifice his survivor at this uh, material point in time. And indeed, Zoe, unless everybody or there is somebody in this country who wants to say that we don't have problems seriously afflicting workers in this country, unless somebody wants to say that, you know, and we expect that government recognizing this fact will have to come up to the table for us to discuss and take a decision on the way forward as to how they will intervene and in cushion workers and, of course, the generality of the, the people of this country, because they are the people at the helm of affairs. The government ministers, government officials, are the people at the helm of affairs. They are enjoined by their status to find solutions to economic problems that is afflicting our people. What about the fair wages? Well, fair wages is part of government. You see, one thing, one, one thing is that before anybody can talk about, oh, we'll give you this percentage or we'll give you that percentage, they needed to take mandates from the Minister of Finance. And we expect that before you meet workers, you would have taken mandates from the Ministry of Finance. So when you come to the table, you come to the table with the seriousness to find solution to the problem. Based on the meeting you've had today, do you think you would arrive at a positive outcome soon? Well, like I started by saying that the meeting did not address our expectation and our needs. And maybe if they call for a meeting tomorrow or they call for a meeting on Friday or whatever day they call for a meeting, maybe they will be able to come up with something that we will agree on. But as, as, as the situation stands today that I'm talking to you, we don't see that there is any commitment uh, to find a solution to the problem. The Arbiter National Labour Commission um, has um, pleaded with you to rescind your decision and go back to the classrooms whilst you negotiate um, the demands that you are making. Have you made any decision based on the outcome of your meeting today? Well, the, 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 the chief executive or the executive secretary of the National Labor Commission may issue the statement. But as we speak, as we speak legally, the National Labor Commission have not been consulted. As we speak legally, the National Labor Commission have not been consulted. What, what do you mean? The, the, the Labor Commission... Uh, the mandate of the Labour Commission expired 
and a new Labour Commission ought to be considered. And there are certain legal injunctions and legal issues that we are facing the Labour Commission. So you do not recognize the National Labour Commission as it stands now? No, there is no National Labour Commission even to be recognized. But they have written a letter. The letter was written by the Executive Secretary. And the Executive Secretary cannot uh, arrogate to himself the authority and, uh, and, uh, and uh, indicate that he is the National Labour Commission. You know that the National Labour Commission, uh, I mean, once some of these things do not get to you, they go to court to um, seek an injunction. So if the court... If they go to court to get injunction, we will organize, me, we will go to court to set that injunction aside. Why? Uh, because we, 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 you see, when you go to court ex parte, you have not given opportunity to the judge to listen to the other, the other group. So this time... If they go to court ex parte, we will also ask our legal people the next day to go to court to set up processes to set the ex parte with injunction outside. When is your next meeting with the government? Well, they indicated they will be inviting us. So you, there's no uh, clear um, date? Or, uh... No, yeah, we, we told them if they invite us for midnight today, we will be there. They indicated they will be inviting us. We have indicated to them if they invite us to midnight today, we will make ourselves available. So the strike continues? Yes. Officially, we are still on strike, and the strike continues. All right. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Um, Eric Angel Kabonu is the president of the National Association of Graduate Teachers. Kojo Ajiman is um, still here. Kojo? Um, you spoke to the other persons um, who were at this meeting. Apart, he's spoken to us about what the GES um, position was and that of um, the Employment and Labor um, Relations Ministry. Um, who else did you speak to? Well, in fact, uh, the government officials who were there didn't want to speak to the media, but then the Employment and Labor Relations Minister advised to speak to us because we, he needed to set certain records straight. One, the fact that uh, it is your legitimacy, legitimate right to do that. And also the fact that um, they need to um, understand government, the current economic conditions. So, therefore, they need to um, listen to the plea of government and take into consideration, you know, it is the strike is entering, entered day three today. And from Paga to Axim, Aflao to Alibo, it is taking a toll on academic work in all public schools. Mind you, um, the basic schools, GHS, even to the pre-tertiary level schools, all the, and they are preparing for some major exams like the BEC and WASI and all that. So he pleaded with them to, um, go back to the classrooms while the, their leadership um, negotiate on their behalf. Okay, so let's listen to the Deputy Employment and Labor Relations Minister, Bright Chokobobe. Following the uh, declaration of an industrial action by the teacher unions, government was very proactive. Uh, we had even wanted to meet them last Friday. Unfortunately, that could not happen because uh, two of the unions were out of country and we scheduled a meeting for today. Uh, fortunately, they responded. I mean, and we are grateful to them. They came in their numbers. Uh, the Trade Union Congress joined them. And then, uh, as the position is, government is in a very dire 
situation. Uh, so we explained to them that the times are not too good, and therefore we were pleading with them. We recognize the fact that they have a legitimate concern, but the timing is not too good, and therefore uh, we have heard them, and they should go back to the classrooms whilst we continue to look at that, look at our books, and see what we can do for them. They have gladly also said that yes, then they were also going to do more consultations with their members and come back to us. But they would wish that if we also have some definitive position, we should call them and they are ready any time to meet with us. So that is where we are. The government side, we are retreating and would reach out to them in very uh, short time to make sure our children do not stay home as a result of the strike. Thank you very much. Are you confident that government is ready to grant the 20% cost of the government? How confident all, are you on the All options are on the table, including the plea bargaining. Mm. We are speaking that the times are not good, but their concerns are legitimate. As and when government's position changes, we will let you know. But when are you meeting again? Uh, in, in, in the next few days, in the next few days, they are also going to meet their people. So we will communicate to them and ensure that we reach out to them very, very soon. The government reps there, was the minister for... Yes, the government was fully represented. The labor, the education, the finance, all of us were duly represented. But Thank why did you invite the Trade Union Congress to the minister? The Trade Union you know, Congress had also written... To the president. To the president. And invariably, the, the Minister for Labor in these matters is the one that represents the President. Mm. So we have to invite them and do uh, one fit all meeting, and that, that's, that's what we did. Well, today. Yeah, well, when you say times are hard and the times are difficult, what is your definition for it? Is it that government will not have money to pay the 20% extra they are asking? No, not, not, not that necessarily. What we mean is that. Times are hard because of these global effects on everything that, and I am uh, a citizen of Ghana. I bear the brand. I go to the same market as you. I buy fuel like you. So times are hard. That's why we call their demand legitimate. Except that because of the hard times, we are pleading with them to understand that when things normalize, some of these things will be taken care of. Like we have done in the past. Generally, yes. I, I think I saw some reps. I cannot really tell where they are from, but lots of labor unions were there. So that was the Deputy Employment and Labor Relations Minister, Brian Chukubrobe, answering questions. Um, journalists were asking him there after the meeting with the four teacher unions. Kojo is still here with me in the studio. Kojo, we know that the Trade Union Congress is also demanding COLA. Um, the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association is also um, asking for same. And today we heard of the senior staff associations, um, the universities uh, of Ghana also um, joining in this demand. Apart from the four teacher unions um, who went to meet government today, was there any other um, group 
that met with government? Yes, so um, the Trades Union Congress and the Necessary Midwifery Council came. Mm. You know, this whole COLA um, conversation started on May Day 2022 when they said that there's a need for government to renegotiate their t- um, conditions of service for them because of uh, what they describe as um, hard economic conditions. So they, they began and then Tewu followed and then the four teacher unions joined. Now, uh, surprisingly, the Secretary General of, uh, Deputy Secretary General of TUC, um, Joshua Ansam, noted that if government fail to meet their demand, they may also join um, the strike. Okay, so um, let's listen to some of the leaders of the unions who spoke to the media after the meeting. It's about the cola issue, nothing else. And that was what we will discuss, yes. Are you satisfied with what the sector minister We are still discussing. Discussing what? The issue of the cola. Is this the one of the meetings? Yes. There will be subsequent meetings. Yeah. So what actually transpired you have decided not it's to... About the, it's about the cola. We have come to a conclusion. Yes. So... When what? Mr. Musa, many have accused... Many have accused the unions that um, you should... You should um, we, can, we can't give definite response at this time. But we are in the process of discussion. So we are saying that get to the minister and talk to the minister. We bear with you. Once they have not responded... And it's that today that they call that meeting. I think the strike is still on, and they are hoping that another meeting will be called. Maybe you can see the way for it. Wouldn't that be fair for you to ask the teachers to call up? At all. Because you know. At all, at all, at all. You know all, that when they are striking, you don't meet, you don't sit and negotiate or anything. No, at all, at all. No negotiations. There's no negotiations. Then why are you in the meeting there? You are requesting for a cooler to cushion us. Why are waiting for the opposition for 2023? You have petitioned the president. He sent a letter to the Jubilee House. What has happened to the letter? That's the result of the meeting today. That's the result of the meeting. So a session can go on strike while you can negotiate. As for the strike, Mm -hmm. you cannot stop anybody from going on strike. Mm. Yeah, you are all preparing to go on strike if you don't have any positive response. That was the Deputy Secretary General of the Trade Union Congress, um, Joshua Ansan, ending that interview. Earlier you heard um, the President of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, Angel Kabonuhum, we spoke to earlier. Bakojo, it sounded very chaotic. What was happening? So, you know, after uh, such meetings, they do not really want to tell journalists what went on in there. But we had to push. Mm. We had to just put our microphones in their faces <laughs> to get what we needed. Okay. So, it was Angel Kabonuhum first. I said, oh, you need to talk. Mm. We pushed, we pushed, and, you know, he was just making the general comments. They didn't want to go into the nitty-gritty of what they really were demanding and what transpired. And then later on, we got the Deputy uh, Secretary General of um, TUC, who, I mean, gave us 46 seconds bite. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. And that was Kojo Ajiman, um, who covered that uh, meeting today at... Um, a meeting between leaderships of um, the unions, like the Fortichai unions, the Education Ministry, um, the Labor Relations Ministry, and there was also a representative from the Finance Ministry. So um, um, that was it. Basically, that's what happened or transpired today. The strike still continues, according to the Fortichai unions. We don't know um, what will be the outcome um, of the other um, unions asking for cola. This is still Eyewitness News, 97.3 CTFM. My name is Zoe Abubeidu.
Ado. We'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll give you a regional feel of how the strike is impacting um, teaching and learning in other parts of the region. And we'll also be delving into delving into the issue of the MP for Dominic Kwabinya. Um, she has disregarded an ultimatum to appear before the Privileges Committee to answer questions about the absence from Parliament. So do stay tuned. We'll be right back. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News. Let's still stay on the strike by the teacher unions. But this time around, let's focus on the impact of the strike on teaching and learning. And we'll start off from the Greater Accra region because during City News' visit to the Laboni Senior High School, there were no teaching activities as teachers were absent due to the ongoing strike. It was also observed that some students were in class but without teachers. The school currently has only second and third year students while the first years are on break. Meanwhile, at the Osusalem Presbyterian Boys GHS, very few students were present at the time of the News team's visit. City News' Fred Duho has more in this report. When City News visited the Laboni Senior High School at about 11.20 on Wednesday morning, some students were seen loitering around while others were writing exams. The examination, according to a teacher, Seth Asase, is being supervised by the school's administration and not the teachers. You can see the campus is, um, is empty, but um, you realize that some students are upstairs over there and they are the current form twos who just returned. Speaker for me. Uh, they are the current form twos who just returned to um, do the end of semester, first semester exam and then continue with their second semester um, I mean activities. So as you can see over there, they are there writing the paper but we don't know as I sit here, I don't know who and who are doing the invigilation anyway. Because um, if you recall, GES released a circular that management should take over the school. And, then, and I believe that is what they are doing right now. According to him, their demand for the cost of living allowance is justified since the government has failed to heed to their concerns. I think it's justified because um, it's being... Um, some time now that teachers have been talking about this cost of living allowance and they've sent messages to government here and there but as we, we stand nothing has hit the account of teachers and I think it's high time we, we, we sat down and then deliberate on some of these issues it's not about teachers taking the money as I say but at least just listen to them listen to their Give that respect to them and listen to them. That one is even okay. Yes, but it looks as if governments have um, turned a deaf ear to some of these things. That's why something um, this strike is ongoing right now. At the Osu Salem Presbyterian Boys School, students were seen outside the classroom. Why are you in school when your teachers are on strike? Me, I don't know myself, but this morning we came here. They told us uh, our teachers are on strike. 
So we, may, our class prefer to make this mind that we we'll sit in the class and we will learn. He will teach us what our teacher has taught us. So we will revise it in the classroom. And what do you make of the teacher's strike? <laughs> How is it affecting you? Please, it's affecting us many ways because next week we'll be writing mock. And I'm a candidate too, so our teachers has to come and teach us because uh, any month coming, we'll be writing our BEC. So it's affecting us many ways, especially the form threes. So most of you here are in form three, is that the case? Yes. Now, what's your full name? Apia Kubi. Apia Kubi. Uh, how old are you and which class are you? I'm 15 years. I'm in form three. JHS three. When are you going to write your BEC? October. In October? And what are you doing outside here? Why not stay in the classroom and learn? Um, I'm not doing anything. We just came uh, from class. But uh, were the teachers present today to teach you? No, please. We are revising on our own. So those are some of the students who uh, are here basically because their teachers are not present to teach them and the fact that they've taken up the initiative uh, upon themselves to come here and then revise their notes. The entire school look empty. Uh, we have pupils on campus, but there are no teachers. And the students are only loitering around, uh, basically because of the ongoing strike. When are you going to write your BC? Um, I don't have an idea yet, but we're told within this year we write our BC. Yes. And we understand your teachers are on strike. Uh, can you tell us what has been happening from Monday till today? Um, um, from Monday, because of the rain, got, so we're not able to go to school. But today, due to the um, strike, they were come to just have a look at what we were come to do, so that whether if we're coming or not, so that they'll come. A teacher at the school. Josephine Apia explains the reason why some students have come to school but without the full complement of the teaching staff. This is a boarding combination with day school and so therefore the boarders are here and so we can't leave them like that so we came to school to teach them. Then yesterday because of the rain some came, some couldn't come and then today we are here. Some stay very far from the school so because of the rain we are about half. But then today we are, we are 11 in total and today we are 7. Because of the strike, they can't be coming and then doing nothing and then going, wasting transportations and stuff. So they have to be at home till they hear something. Whatever that goes on, if it's positive, we benefit. And if it is negative, we benefit. So whatever the reason is that they are holding on this strike, we hope and wish that things become school for us. Most of the schools we visited, there has been totally no activity uh, of teaching and learning. Most of the students are loitering around and hoping that their teachers would return to the classroom. But some of the teachers we spoke to indicated that the cost of living allowance is something they are hoping the government will pay attention to for them to return to the classroom due to present economic conditions. My name is Fred Duho reporting from the Osu Salem Presbyterian Boys' School. For City News. So that's a wrap of um, what has been happening um, around the country, and this was specifically uh, the Greater Accra region. This is still Eyewitness News.
we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll bring you that story um, where the MP for Domeko Abinya, Sarah Joasafo, has disregarded an ultimatum to appear before the Privileges Committee. We'll find out what will be the fate of um, Adrasafo after her latest action not to appear before Parliament, the Privileges Committee. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You welcome back. My name is Zoe Abubeidu Adul. Now let's move to Parliament. The Privileges Committee um, sat today. Now they've been sitting for a while um, with regards to some three members of Parliament who absented themselves um, for more than 15 times. So this issue was referred to the Privileges Committee to deal um, with the matter and then subsequently they send a report to the House on what the outcome of their decision is. Now let's speak to the Member of Parliament for Cape Coast South and the ranking member of the Privileges Committee, um, Kwekuri Kitsigan, for uh, more on what transpired today um, at the Privileges Committee. Thanks for joining us. Now, we know that um, the three MPs, um, the MP for Ayawaso Central, Henry Korte, um, he appeared before the committee today, and we also know that um, Kennedy Japong, um spoke to you earlier or appeared before the committee. What happened to uh, Ms. Adras Safo. Why did she fail to appear before the committee today? Well, um, good evening to your, to your viewers. First of all, I must um, confirm what you've just said, that indeed Honorable Kennedy of Japan appeared uh, before us, and uh, Honorable Korty also appeared before us um, previously, but it was inconclusive um, because of uh, activities around the members themselves. So we had to ask him to come back today, um, which he did. Honorable um, Ajoasapu was also billed to be, uh, um, you know, to hear her today, but unfortunately we did not hear from her. So um, we, we, if you, if you quite remember, we, in the end, had to advertise in the media trying to reach her. So as far as we are concerned, we have actually exhausted you know, the uh, ways of actually trying to reach it. Now, the options that uh, were available to us uh, as per our standing orders, um, 2053. Okay. Uh, we have exhausted that she did not appear. So that's where we are. But okay. Honorable Court did appear and uh, we had a hearing. Okay, before I come to um, Sarah Josephus' um, issue um, with regards to not appearing today, um, can you tell us or are you willing to share with us um, what reasons, some of the reasons uh, Mr. Korte gave for not coming to Parliament for the 15 days? Some of the reasons who? Sorry? Mr. Korte. We... Oh, okay, alright, okay. Well, it, it, uh, um, just like Honorable um, uh, Kennedy in Japan, it, it borders around the health, health issue. He, he had an operation uh, basically uh, and that is what, what what it is. So that was a re- that was the reason for his being absent, and uh, obviously he did not seek permission to do that. Okay. Now to um, um, 
Sarajua Safo's issue. You said you had exhausted. Now you published in the dailies an invitation letter um, extending. Um, I mean, I mean, to I mean, you published in the dailies an invitation letter, and it was extended to her, hoping that she will see that and reach out to you. Now you said yeah. you you exhausted that. How did you reach out to her by sending the Zoom link? Because we understand that a Zoom link was sent or provided. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, as I said uh, earlier, we, we try several means. Every member of parliament has a record here. There are data on every member of parliament. One, you sign up to be a member here. Information is collected from you as to where, you know, your, your place of abode, your email address, etc., etc., in this day of technology. Um, so if, um, for instance, someone is looking for you from parliament, those are the, 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 the things that they will rely on to reach you, including your place of abode. We did that, we exhausted all that, and we didn't hear from her. And then, of course, I think an appearance was made um, yeah, um, on, I think, Joy FM or something, where she was uh, supposed to have had an interview, saying that she did not actually, she wasn't served or did not receive anything from us. So we went further to make sure that, you know, we reached her, was to go through our standing orders 2053, which, you know, in addition to place of abode and other things, that if all fails, we can actually then do a publication to try and look for her. So if I say we have exhausted all means, by, by that I mean, you know, within the constraints of the, of, of the laws and options um, available to us, uh, including, as I said, email addresses, personal assistance, and then obviously publishing. So it is through this means that, um, with the exception of the publishing, that the, the Zoom link was actually sent to her. Did she acknowledge receipt of receiving the, the link? Absolutely not. We did not hear from her. So at m- all. maybe she didn't see it. Maybe. So if she didn't see it, um, will she be given another opportunity um, to to respond to the committee? Well, another opportunity, meaning we'll have to hear from her to give her that opportunity. But as I said, we have exhausted, we were given a job to do by the Right Honourable Speaker. We have taken more than the time given to us. Initially, as, 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 as you may or may not be aware, we were given two weeks. We exceeded the two weeks, so we have to go for an extension. And then we wanted to make sure that, you know, we have it in, in obviously in our constitution that you don't attend parliament for 15 days in a, in a system, in a, in a certain, you lose your seat. But then the same constitution, in, in fairness, also says that we, you should be given the opportunity to hear you, um, the reason why you did not show up for the 15 days, you know, in an extreme circumstance, these things can be possible. So that opportunity is given to you, and you are. It is up to you to vindicate, you know, yourself as to, you know, a legitimate reason why you were not, you were not here. That is the fairness. If you don't show up to do that, then it becomes difficult, you know. But we have not been able to reach it, so we 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 cannot. Unlike the other two cases where we have had a gentleman, we will then be able to, you know, when we conclude, which we hope to do next Wednesday in terms of. Uh, decision-making or recommendation to the speaker, we will then be able to write a report. But in her case, you know, and as Natcher just suggests, if we have not been able to speak with her, we cannot pass judgment on her. So we need to go back to, 
you know, where where the reference actually came from, which is the right honorable speaker. And then things will be taken from there by him. So, so have you concluded um, on your mandate? Well, as I said, we will finish everything on, on hopefully next Wednesday where, when a report will be put together. At the moment, the two gentlemen who appeared or the two honorable members who appeared, as I said, it's all on medical grounds. Medical reports are, were requested, um, other requests and all that. So we look at all the stuff that you put before us and try and reconcile the verbal hearing that we did with them together with the, any supporting doc- document. And then we will, you know, make a conclusion in terms of a, a report or a recommendation to the right of Honorable Speaker. But as I said, with Honorable Adjua Safo, we will not be making any further attempts as a committee to try and reach her again, unless maybe she comes to us and said, well, I got this information late or uh, um, I have now heard, you know, that you are looking for me. And, 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 and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But as we stand at the moment, per the mandate given to us by the Speaker, we have concluded in terms of being able to speak to the two honorable members concerned and then the third honorable member, Honorable Adjosafo, we have basically filled to Richard. And we have not heard from her, you know, as to whether she intends to continue her work in Parliament or not. Okay. Well, when is the committee presenting its report to the House? Well, we are to meet uh, a week today, uh, which is next week, Wednesday. And then Thereafter that, I'm sure that the, the report will, will, will follow. Grateful if for not the next day or few, few, few days after. Grateful for your time. Um, that was my, my pleasure. Um, the Cape Coast South Member of Parliament and Ranking Member on the Privileges Committee, Kweku Ricketts Hagan. Now we'll turn our attention and do some other stories because one of the candidates for the chairmanship position in the upcoming NPP national delegates elections, Joseph Aikwe Otu, has withdrawn from the race. Aikwe Otu, a former attorney general under the Kofo administration, had been approved by the Vetting Committee of the NPP to bid for the chairman position, but less than two weeks to the conference, the party has confirmed his decision not to contest. Addressing the press in Accra, Chairman of the Elections Committee, Peter McMenu, indicated that elections will not be affected by his decision. No appeals against the nomination of any prospective aspirant were recorded by the National Appeals Committee headed by Honorable Dan which had scheduled Friday 24th to Saturday 25th of June 2022 for the hearing of appeals. In effect, there were no appeals. Honorable Ayikwe Otu, who was vying for the position of National Chairman of the Party, has however since withdrawn from the race. So after vetting, he has withdrawn from the race. The man has tested the waters and he thinks that uh, it's okay for him. Am I the one to decide? I can't. For me, he has brought a letter duly signed that he's withdrawing from the race and that nevertheless his support for the party remains unshakable. Meanwhile, candidates for the new patriotic party national positions risk 
being sanctioned if they exhibit opulence in their campaigns. Delegates from July 15 to July 17 at the Accra Sports Stadium will elect national executives for various elections. Um, the elections committee says it will not countenance the erection of billboards. The committee has pledged to take care of the cost of accommodation, transportation and feeding of delegates and has warned against exchange of money between candidates and delegates that can be tagged as acts of bribery. Addressing the press chairman of the committee, Peter McMenu, indicated that the police have been engaged to arrest candidates who engage in vote buying. For the avoidance of doubt, the National Party will be responsible for transportation, accommodation and feeding of all delegates throughout the conference. All aspirants and all their agents are therefore warned not to engage in any untoward behavior that can be interpreted as bribery or treaty within the meaning of the Representative of People's Law 1992 PNDC Law 284, which are serious criminal offenses. The National Election Committee has therefore engaged the Ghana Police Service, who will be on the election grounds to strictly enforce the laws and arrest anyone found to be in the breach of PNDC law 284. There's a law in this country that covers treating and bribery. We are going to enforce it. So you have there the chairman of the elections committee for the new patriotic party, Peter McBurn. Stay tuned to 97.3 CTFM. Natalie Nete is on standby to bring us the latest in the world of business. And after that, we'll bring you point blank. Please stay tuned. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Natalie Nete. Let's settle for the details. The Minister of Trade and Industry, Alain Tramating, has once again charged local players in the private sector to take charge of key sectors of the economy. The remark was made at a meeting with businessmen and captains of industry in Accra. According to him, even though Ghana is experiencing impressive growth across multiple sectors, most of these are dominated by foreigners, a development he urged the local business community to change. Right now, if you look at those that are controlling the assembly plants, you find that majority of them are foreign investors. The only local, real indigenous local company is um, Kantanka. But again, I make this point. Why are we not taking advantage of some of these opportunities? If you ask Kantaka, they will tell you that the growth that has been occasioned uh, in their company by this auto industry is phenomenal. And if you look at their vehicles that they are producing, uh, you know, so it is an entry point for all of you. And all these other uh, facts, uh, strategic anchors I'm talking about, these are entry points for, for you because this is where government direction is now. And so uh, any time that we have the opportunity, maybe we'll sit down with you sector by sector, these new sectors, and to encourage you, iron and steel, 
they, they, why should the Ireland still sector be dominated by, uh, by only uh, you know, foreigners? Alan Tremating is the Minister of Trade and Industry. As government prepares to commence in-person meetings with a delegation from the International Monetary Fund this week, a former chair of Parliament's Finance Committee, Mark Sibiyabwa, has asked government to tread cautiously in its negotiations with the fund. According to him, the engagements do not certainly mean the country would be supported by the IMF. Government has already noted that even though program negotiations can be quick or be protracted for up to six months or more, it stands ready to quicken and shorten the negotiation process by sharing relevant data as well as presenting its enhanced economic program that will anchor the supported program. Mark Isibiyabwa was speaking on Face to Face on City TV. We have not been very careful in getting to the fund, okay? We should be careful about negotiating uh, a program. The fund went to Sri Lanka for 10 days. There was no agreement. So they coming in here does not mean that uh, there's going to be a program. It's not automatic. No. That's what I'm saying. The rhetoric, the posturing, we have to slow things down. They can come here and say, well, if you are not ready to, uh, to review all the data, to open all the books, to come clean, we, we are not going to do it. But do they not already have all these books? Don't we file all these books to them as You see, there, there's been some back and forth in some of these reports. You recall under the line, below the line, some of mm-hmm. these. I had uh, my own position that put it above the line, capture it in the budget. Then we all know that that, that was when the financial sector cleaned up, energy sector costs. Uh, we debated whether to put this below the line in the budget or above the line. Eventually, that was the fund's position that we have to put it above the line. That means it's captured in the annual budget. Mm-hmm. And so we know the total debt uh, position, the deficit and all that. Eventually we got there. That was a former chair of Parliament's Finance Committee, Mark Isibiyabwa. Government's consistent delay in the payment of contractors is further worsening its debt position. This is according to the Ghana Chamber of Construction Industry. The chamber notes that government's non-payment continues to attract penalties, which balloons the amount owed them. CEO of the chamber, Emmanuel Cherry, laments the economic impact of the non-payment of their monies, which in some cases are over five years. So if a contract is being given to a contractor to execute, there are clauses in the contract that states that if you reach a certain percentage, you raise certificate, that's entering payment certificate, for it to be added. Now, if the contractor raises a certificate before, it will used to be 28 days for what they call it, uh, and now being revised to 91 days for the road. Building 28 days, now 45 days maximum, that the awarding agency is to pay you. Here we are today, a contractor raised certificate 90 one days, still the certificate has not been honored. So, waiting. Within 58 days in addition, if it's not being honored, he has the contractual obligation to demand for interest on that amount. So, that also has a lies for how to span. So, if he also reaches and then it's not being honored, he counts for another interest on that interest. So, you realize that most of times a, a government awards a contract team of 20 million, which is being published. But at the end of each commissioning, you realize that it's no longer 20 million, but other 30 million or 25 million. And the you, the media, you raise questions say, ah, why is the contract being bloated? It's because government has defaulted on its part. He has not been able to pay on time. So interest upon interest upon interest has been slapped on that project. Emmanuel Cherry is the CEO of the Ghana Chamber of Construction Industry.
Second Deputy Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Elsie Adorwaji, has underscored the importance of the savings and loans industry to the Ghanaian economy and financial sector. She revealed that at the end of the first quarter of 2022, total assets of specialized deposit-taking institutions exceeded 16 billion Ghana cities, out of which savings and loan subsector contributed 35.1%. Speaking at the 12th Annual General Meeting of the Ghana Association of Savings and Loans Companies, Mrs. Adwawaji said the role of the savings and loans industry in our economy has been significant in providing critical financial services to the SME sector, informal sector and households. At the end of the first quarter of 2022, total assets of the specialized deposit-taking institution sector, which includes microfinance and rural and community banks, was about 16 billion CDs, just the SDI sector, in the first quarter of this year, total assets of the SDI sector. Of this, the savings and loan subsector contributed 35.1% of these total assets. And the SNL sector had also disbursed about 3.4 billion CDs in net loans to private enterprises in the first quarter of 2022 alone. This is significant. And as we heard, you serve a client base of 7.3 million in Ghana. That's about a fourth of the population of Ghana. So you're quite a significant player in our financial system and in our economy as a whole. Elsie Ado Awaji is the second deputy governor of the Bank of Ghana. Ghana's small and medium-sized business sector is said to receive a major boost as Societe General Ghana has signed a partnership agreement with the African Guarantee Fund to increase its financing support to SMEs through enhanced credit facilities. The total guarantee facility of 35 million Ghana cities will be will enable the bank extend financial support to SMEs for which access to bank facilities is difficult. Speaking at the signing event, Managing Director of Societe General Ghana, Hakim Muzani, noted that the facility will also enable the bank scale-up lending to women and green businesses. This event now is the signing with the uh, uh, African Guarantee Fund, AGF, our new partner now to uh, support the SME uh, businesses. Societe General Ghana is already uh, engaged and committed to, to, to finance and to support SMEs, which is already a good part of our uh, corporate uh, portfolio uh, uh, and corporate outstanding. But our ambition is higher than that. And we want to, to, to accompany better than before and to support better than before uh, the SME's growth in Africa because we are, have just the conviction that, <clears throat> that SMEs everywhere in the world are the entities which really um, realize and achieve the growth in the country. And we know at the same time that these SMEs have difficulties to access to financing, have also difficulties to get all the necessary supports, not only money, not only financing, but even in terms of, um, of capacity building, of knowledge, of acquiring some certain level of skills. That was the Managing Director of Societe General Ghana, Hakim Muzani. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nete Linete. Up next is Point Blank.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Welcome back to the Point Blank segment on Eyewitness News. It's some 23 minutes to 7 p.m. Tonight on the Point Blank segment, we are bringing you two stories. Now, the local council of churches at Inkranza is making um, some requests and some demands into the recent killings at Inkranza. And also, you'd recall that um, a lawyer, um, Justice Richard, um, not Justice, Richard Badombier, um, was murdered um, somewhere last month on his way to Drapa. The youth in Drapa today um, have petitioned the Inspector General of Police and they want justice for lawyer Badombier. Let's begin from Nkranza. Leadership of the local council of churches at Nkranza, which is in the Bono East region, they are calling for an independent inquiry into the recent killings at Nkranza. Reverend Andrews Osaitechi is the chairman um, or spokesperson for the local council of churches in Nkranza. Thanks for joining us on the Point Blank segment on Eyewitness News today. Now, the police is investigating this particular issue with regards to um, some killings that happened in Nkranza. Are you not satisfied with what the police is already doing? Yeah, you're welcome. Good evening. Um, in fact, we are not satisfied in that everything that went on involves the police. So if you are asking the police to investigate itself, we think justice was not being let. So we were requesting that an independent body should be asked to do the investigation. If we really want to unravel whatever went on here in Nkuranza, I think that should be the best way to go. What, what is the church's interest in this particular matter? We are interested because some of these people who were killed, their families, they belong to one church or the other. So if they belong to any of our churches, it will be wrong on our part to sit aloof 
without you know, getting into the matter. That's why we are interested in because they all belong to one church or the other. Apart from the independent inquiry that you are asking for, um, what else have you been outlining? What else are your demands? Um, we are demanding that, one, since the police has a hierarchy and no policeman can move or work or do something without a command from the higher authority. So we said if really meaningful investigation could be conducted, it means that the, the divisional police commander, the municipal commander, and the regional commanders must be interdicted. If really they want to have a meaningful investigation, so at least they can have a free hand, the investigators could have a free hand and investigate the matter properly. So that is one of the demands. Two, we are saying that since this incident happened in Nkuranza, the police have been shut down in that there is no police station in Nkuranza. There are other suburbs which have police posts somewhere in Nkwabing, in Akuma, and in Donkronkwanta. All the police have been, have been withdrawn. So it means that there's a security gap. Because now not, not anything can happen in Nkuranza without any security personnel attending to the issue. So we are demanding that as soon as practicable, the IGP should also try as much as possible to install all the police personnel in Kuranza so that at least there wouldn't be any vacuum or security gap in whatever is going on here in Kuranza. And we also demand them that justice must be done. Investigation must be conducted thoroughly so that these people are no justified. Whether they were criminals or not, for that one, we can't fight for them. But at least there must be an investigation so that we know where the thing will end. Then the family are also reporting that the autopsy that was conducted, uh, they are not satisfied because they said it, the, the boy who was shot, that was the Victor Kajo Ousu, had a tumor, tumor in, the, in, the, in the brain, and that caused his death. This one too, I don't think the family would accept this because everything was there vividly. People were there, journalists were there, they saw the gunshot hitting the boy, but they said it's a tumor. So I think there are more to this problem than we are thinking. So we need a thorough investigation. The police can conduct its own investigation. We don't have any problems with that. But at least there must also be an independent body to investigate the issue at hand. Okay. Why? The, you've already made mention that the police is investigating the matter. Yeah. They have processes there are procedures and for going through some of these things for the general um, outcome why didn't you wait or why don't you wait for the police to come out with uh, i mean its outcome um, of the investigations that are being conducted and then the church can voice out because the church is supposed to unite i mean both parties but now it looks like you're taking a position no, that's what exactly we are doing. This is our opinion. We are not, not taking an opinion. We are appealing to the IGP to, as a matter of agency, fulfill some of these assignments. We don't know how the investigation is conducted, but at least as a church body, we also want to think that there must be an independent investigation into the matter. That is all that we are requesting. If they say no, we don't have any problem, but at least our voices must be heard. And we've made that loud and clear. So if they think the independent body is not important, fine, it's their matter. 
But that is what we can say. We are in a democratic society. So I can share my opinion. And that's our opinion as a body. Okay, so why don't you petition the independent body that you want to um, investigate this matter rather than writing to the police? Because once the police is investigating, I don't think, well, I'm not sure, but I, I don't know what their response will be to conducting right. an independent That's investigation. Why don't you directly petition the independent body that you want uh, to, to do this no, job for that you? Is not our, that is not our matter to consider. Because this is a, the, the two families that have lost their their, 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 their words. They are supposed to do that. But we are suggesting. We are making a suggestion. So it's an appeal that we are making to the IGP. That's fine. We think for fair play and for justice to be to prevail, there must be an independent investigator. So it's up to them to decide we want the independent investigator to come in. The government says we want somebody to come. Apart from what the police is doing, we want somebody to come and investigate. That is their matter. So for us, as a body and as a Christian body and as men of God, we can't sit aloof, we can't sit unconcerned and say that, okay, whatever happened should happen. Because that's why I said, these people who died and their families, they belong to one church or the other. So if we keep quiet, it means that we are not concerned about whatever is going on here in Nkoranza. And we are much concerned. We want peace. And to, for peace to prevail, because we have prevailed on the youth in the town to keep quiet, not to demonstrate again. That's what we are doing. So we want peace. But if you want peace, there must also be justice. All so right. That's what I'm saying. Mm. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, sir. You're welcome, dear. So that was Reverend Andrews Osei Techi. He's the spokesperson um, of the local council of churches um, in Nkranza. They are asking for an independent um, body to investigate the recent killings in Nkranza. And he also made mention of some security gaps um, in Nkranza. I'll be speaking to the Member of Parliament for Nkranza South, Emmanuel Kujia Um Good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, madam. I, I just spoke to the spokesperson for the local council of churches, and he's made some interesting um, claims there. For instance, that all the security or police officers at Inkranza have been withdrawn. And this we have known. Um, is that to say that since the incident happened, there are no officers stationed at Inkranza? No. And we as don't a, have, uh, they, they are police checkpoints at the entrance to Nkranza, but all the policemen have been withdrawn. And this should be a source of worry for you. What, what inputs or interventions have you made? Well, um, I think it's, it's somebody's decision. Um, we we have a right to police in Ghana. The fact that uh, the young men in Kwanza demonstrated in Kwanza, I don't think that means that we shouldn't have policemen in Kwanza. There has been a lot of demonstrations in Ghana, and um, all those places there are police. But having said that, we we um, we we do think about it, and we are also planning how to. What at least we can do to protect ourselves as, as people in Nkwanza is, is something that we are planning. We, we will look at how we can at least um, have some, some men who will help us to at least um, protect so far the, the people in Nkwanza. But that, that's quite interesting. 
Have you spoken to the regional police commander about this? We have actually spoken to the IGP himself. Okay. It's about the regional commander. Okay, so the IGP made that uh, directive or gave that directive? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, you've spoken to him. What, what was the IGP's um, reasons for withdrawing them and his solution? I think the last time um, I, I had an, um, an encounter, um, they said they will take a decision as and when they, they can bring police back to Canada. No, no timelines? <laughs> that, that, I, I like that question. I really like that question. I wish you can ask me again so that your listeners will, will be able to at least understand whatever is happening. No timeline. I'm sorry, no timeline. You see, the, the whole thing is, is, is um, it, it is not, it's a decision taken by somebody out of whatever, taken by somebody to show, you know. I mean, it's a decision taken some, by somebody, so as and when is, is I mean, that's All right. So um, just give us an update with regards to this um, incident in um, in Kranza. That's two people, unfortunately, lost their lives. What was the latest update? I know this issue has been in court and you've been following this. Uh, very interesting. I've been saying this time and time again that um, um, we, the people of Kranza, we think there has to be justice in these two cases. Um, one person was shot, another person was shot. And the latest, if you, you have the very interesting autopsy report, the latest on Dick O'Connor is that he had a brain tumor. He had a severe head injury and fall. Can you hear that? The boy who was shot where there were media men around, I think probably I, you have a video of what happened on that day. And uh, if you don't have it, your colleague media houses will be able to give it to you. Um, he was shot. There were people around. There were policemen around. And the autopsy came out to interest you to know that. They said he had a brain tumor, uh, fall, and severe head injury. What actually caused that severe head injury? That's a question everyone should be able to ask. That is what I kept on saying from beginning that Trust me, there has to be an independent body investigating. Once you have this autopsy coming out, you won't believe maybe the next one they will say that he, he had uh, he was poisoned. That's why he died. That's I mean, if you read this autopsy report, trust me, the family will not let this case end at where they are saying he had a brain. There will be another autopsy. So had they already requested for an independent autopsy. autopsy report? Sorry? I'm asking if there are plans to have an independent autopsy report. Yes, we are going to have another autopsy. Okay, and how and, uh, so we, have, we have actually, we have started the process. Um, the doctors are saying that we need um, a court order, and it has to be from our jurisdiction. So we have started the process to get the court order to be able to do the, the, the other efforts. We will, we will not let this case, whoever shot these two young men, wherever he's listening to us, they should come out and tell the truth. There has to be justice. You don't just walk into somebody like that. The last update we had was that the family didn't have um, access to the body. 
Do they? Sorry. The last update we had was that the family didn't have access to the body. That's the first one. That's um, the one who was taken from home. Okay. That's, um, but now I can confirm that the family has actually gone to the mosque to have it or to view the body. That's for Albert Donko. That's Albert Donko. Okay. Victor is the one that was shot during the demonstration that they said the shooting was brain tumor, brain tumor. Okay, so with regards to Albert's case, um, has the family done an autopsy yet? Or has Not the yet. police done that? An autopsy? Has the police done an Not autopsy? Yet. Not yet. What Not yet. We don't want it to be brain tumor again. So we are working for other aspects. I know, I know there are professionals in the country. I believe that there will be somebody, at least one or two people in this country who say the truth. So we are seeking for a different doctors or whoever will be truthful for them expect to come and do this coroner report or autopsy report. Okay, you made some calls in Parliament, um, I think this week, asking for an independent um, investigation into this matter. Yes. You don't trust yes. the police? Yes. Actually filed the motion on that. Um, we're waiting for the Speaker to take an action on it. Apart from that, I have also started preparing um, a bill. Um, a lady in Parliament is helping us put the bill together for us to have an independent um, police investigative um, um, commission, at least so that tomorrow, if somebody is shot, if the same person who shot the person will go and investigate himself. Mm. All right, thank There's you. There's a bill coming out. Mm. All right, thank you so much, um, Honorable Immanuel Kujaji. Thank you. And uh, what I want to say, if you allow me, what I want to say is that I want all Ghanaians to follow this case, the finality. If not, it will happen to another person. And trust me, it is not only us and Victor who have got this problem. There are a lot of people in Ghana with similar problems, but they are not able to say anything. But because we are not giving it to you, I mean, that is why we have gotten to this stage. Everybody, it can happen to you, my sister. It can happen to your brother. Let us see what actually happened to these two people. And let justice prevail. And it will help everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you so much um, for your time. That's a member of parliament for Nkranza South, Emmanuel Kojo Ajikum. So that was an update from Inkranza. Um, but in May this year, the police in the Savannah region arrested three persons. Now, they were arrested for their alleged involvement in the killing of a private legal practitioner, Richard Badumbi. Now, Mr. Badumbie was shot by some suspected armed robbers along the Bole Bamboy Highway. And according to another occupant of that vehicle, um, Mr. Badumbie was driving, the gunman stopped the car and shot at the deceased while he was driving. 
Now, we spoke to the Savannah Regional Police Public Relations Officer Inspector Ajekum Ouso, who at the time told City News that enough intelligence has been gathered to assist police arrest the suspects on the run. We have a target for about five. You see, some people commit crimes and leave some traces. And as I said, with the help of the intelligence unit, we've been able to get this threat, which we are still hunting for other two. So that was Inspector... Ajekum Owusu, who is the Savannah Regional Police Relations Officer. The Youth in Jirapa today um, presented a petition um, with regards to this particular issue. They want justice for lawyer Richard Badumbi. Ernest Nindo is a member um, of a coalition that has been set up seeking justice. Thanks for joining us on Eyewitness News. And the police is already investigating this matter. And in fact, I just played back a voice where um, some persons have already been arrested. The matter is in court. Who did you petition today, and what are your demands? Yes, thank you very much for this opportunity. And I would say I'm very happy to be part of this, your news. Uh, actually, we petitioned the IGP through the regional minister, through the MC of Jirapa. So you petitioned the MC today? The uh, IGP, IGP. Okay, so what was, contained in, what, what was contained in the petition? The only thing we were saying is justice. We want justice for honorable lawyer, but don't be. But you want justice, but the issue is being investigated. People have been arrested. The matter is in court. It's going through the procedure it's supposed to go through. Yes. Actually, if not uh, yesterday, we didn't even know that they have tried those people. The first time they sent them, nobody knows of it. The second time they were to go to court, we were informed. Me, personally, I was part of the team that went to Bole to attend uh, the court proceeding there so that we also know what is happening to, uh, in, in connection with the death of our uh, friend. But when we got there, we got to Bole, that was around 9.30. We were in Bole till around 2, but the case, was, uh, the case was not called on. So we decided to come back to Jirapa because the distance was far. So when we left, according to the, the court, uh, those that are working in court, in the court, so they told us that when we left, later the, the police brought uh, the culprit to court and that they were saying that because we came there, they didn't want to bring those suspects. And we say, ah, this one, it is not any close uh, court issue. It is an open court and anybody can come and listen to it. Why is it that they didn't want us to be part of that proceeding? The police, the police, the police works um, based on intelligence, and yes, um, I mean you don't know what intelligence they may have picked from your quarters. Yes, but but the thing is that we are just colleagues. We are colleagues, honourable members, or colleague assemble members. So what could it be that they don't want us to know? What could it be? Is it that we were going there for something because we are also worried and disturbed? And we also want to know what is happening. The place is distance from Jirapa. The, guy, the man is from Jirapa. And where he was murdered is not part of our region. 
And because of that, we are cut off. We don't know anything that is happening. And at least, though we know it is the state versus those arrested, but we have to also know something about it. That is it. Even after the other dissent, hearing that they were not able to, uh, that was not able to come on. Since that time up to now, we don't know whether they have sent the case to court again or what, what. We don't know anything. Else. So we are saying that, that, and he is not the only person. There are other people that have also been murdered. And uh, the, 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 some, in some cases, the people were not, those that done that act were not arrested and they were not tried. They are not tried. And okay. those that, some too were also arrested, but we don't know what is happening. So it is just not him alone, because we are all afraid that maybe it could be me tomorrow. So that is why we are fighting that there should be justice for him. Okay, we found out. there is justice, we know other people may not also repeat it. Okay, we don't have um, so much time, but what is the general security situation in that area? The general security situation? Well, the general security situation in Trapa in particular, well, I can't say it is bad, and I can't say it is good. Because... Somebody was killed here, or some people were murdered here, and some of us are still there. So for now, I can't say it is good or it is not good. Our robbery is there, and I know it is every part mm. of Ghana. Mm. It is not only this place. Uh-huh. Okay. But, yeah, but the way some people are murdered, and we don't know what is happening about their case, that is how I worried. We want justice for honorable lawyer, but don't be. That is the only thing we are only asking for. All right. Grateful for your time and we wish you all the best um, in that, with that petition to the IGP there. Ernest yeah. Nindo is a member of the Coalition for Justice for Lawyer Richard Badumbier. That will be all for this edition of Eyewitness News. We came to you live from our studio at number 11, Dr. Montelope in Adabraka, Accra. show was produced by Sixtus Dong, Ulo, Anas, Seidu and Beblin Landin. We have technical assistance from Daniel Squashi. My name is Zoe Abubeidu Ado. Many thanks for your time. Face to Face is up next. Umaru Sanda Amadu interviewed Dr. Mark Isibe Yeboa, who is a former chairman um, of Parliament Finance Committee and also a former member of Parliament for New Job in South. He spoke to him about um, his predictions or his um, suggestion to the New Patriotic Party government to go to the IMF for support, amongst other things. Do have a listen. Many thanks for your time. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.